campers welcome to the podcast it's museum kate oh i said museum (laughs) it's not as easy as it looks it's very hard yeah um welcome to museum camp with an m i am madison and i'm megan and we're very disoriented now (laughs) we're doing great um and we're here. We're here for you all um, mm-hmm. to hold your hand as we guide you through another bizarre, yeah, dark forest. And, you know, where I was going with it was a museum. Oh, I thought it was like we were navigating to a campfire. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that we're going to go to the campfire and then we're going to go to a museum. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, great. Madison, what's going on with you? Um. It was just Thanksgiving, which mm-hmm. was great. Mm-hmm. Ate a lot of food. Oh yeah, obviously. Um, we played a lot of Mario Kart. We have been doing that a lot lately, and it's been so fun. You know what? Good for you. We love. <laughs> we love a good Mario Kart night. We love it. <laughs> um. Other than that, um, I. I mean, really, I haven't been watching all that much lately. Yeah. Uh, because we all knew that's eventually what we were going to get to is what are we watching? Uh huh. Um, we do have one big TV moment that we need to talk about. Yes. Bake Off. Yep. Campers, and Campers, if you haven't alert. watched yet, yeah, we're going to spoil it because here's yeah. the thing I cried so much uh-huh. during the finale and really every episode of Bake Off, oh, yeah. but especially in the finale. I okay so here's the thing I think and I I probably do say this every year but I think that this might have been one of the greatest casts of all time Uh it was so good baking and like talent wise but Uh also personal dynamic so 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 good good. so good love them all uh um, how did you feel about the results? Walk me through the play I, by play. Here's how I feel. Giuseppe deserved to win. Uh-huh. From the beginning, we all yes. like I, literally everyone I talked to was like Giuseppe, Perfection. Giuseppe, Giuseppe. Yeah, the best. However, in that finale, if we were going on the finale alone, Chiggs should have won. Agreed. So okay. <clears throat> so here's the thing. I love chigs and i'm so proud of him for being mm-hmm. such a novice baker and oh. abs- like he's just like a a prodigy it would appear yeah. because he just like gets it and he's he amazing. doesn't have a ton of experience to go off of and he was nailing it mm-hmm. um and so i agree that like he deserved it if it were just the finale that being said i did appreciate that they seemed to go a little bit more like longitudinal with their winner decision because I feel like that's where I've been frustrated some years is they are Mm -hmm. like just going off of the finale performance and not factoring in overall consistency and skill as a baker um which is a bummer for chigs this year (laughs) I know (laughs) but uh I mean all three of them are so good they're all amazing I was sad Jurgen didn't make it into the finale because I that was rough. That was I would have loved to see a Jurgen Giuseppe just head to head sudden death. Absolutely. (laughs) Type of situation. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That would have been amazing. God, it was so good. It really was. But yeah, I haven't been watching really too much TV. We're still slowly getting through the Sopranos. Um, it just is literally taking forever. Um, and I mean, as I've mentioned to you several times already, I have been watching Dickinson on Apple Mm -hmm. TV plus, um, it is really so good. Um, it like took me a couple episodes to get into it. Cause it is like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a strange dynamic of like, being in the 1800s but then having the like modern day slang and like you know humor um but really good a lot of great cameos in it 
Um, Amazing. And you need to watch it so we can talk about it. Okay. Um, okay. Speaking of Apple TV Plus, I did uh-huh. forget that I've been watching The Shrink Next Door. Oh, I need to watch that. Very good. Did you listen to the Wondery podcast? No. <sighs> Surprisingly. It's very good. Okay. Very, very good. Um, I will say, so the Apple TV plus show, um, is obviously an all-star cast. I mean, you have Paul Rudd, you have Will Ferrell, you have Catherine Hahn as your like main three, um, all very, very good. I will say the first like two, two and a half episodes, maybe were a little bit slow. I thought, and we're just kind of like, Oh, okay. Um, but now it's hold on. Very good. So sorry. Is this the one where the guy is in the Hamptons or something? Mm-hmm. Maybe really, I really rich guy. And he is just like kind of um, neurotic, very anxious. So his sister has him go to a therapist. He finds this guy who then just like. Oh, I mean, cut, like yeah. makes him cut off his family, spends all of his money. It's a fascinating story. I did listen to, and I was surprised when you said that it was a Wondery podcast that I felt like I hadn't listened to it. Cause mm-hmm. I we know I love Wondery. They're, They're so the best. Um, but yeah, it's just been a long time uh, mm-hmm. since I listened to that. So I'll have to watch the show. Yeah. It's good. Um, maybe it was just the mood I was in. Cause I watched all the, they released, the first three episodes all at once. Mm. Um, and so I watched them all back to back, obviously. <laughs> and nice. um, it was just kind of a slow build. And it was like, I kind of knew what was coming. I didn't remember a lot of the specifics because it has been so long since I listened to that podcast. Yeah. Um, and so I was just like, okay, get to the part where he's like scamming. <laughs> like, right. Come on. But um, <laughs> I just, Paul Rudd was such a good choice for that because he's obviously like the nicest, like most charming person ever. Right. And he like kind of plays off of that, but then you have to like hate him in this show, which is so difficult. Oh no. I'm not ready for that. Um, and now I'm remembering that there was something else that I've been watching. So I'm just going to retract that. I haven't been watching TV lately because I definitely have, (laughs) um, But our Lord and Savior, Mindy Kaling, has a new show on HBO that I've been watching called The Sex Lives of College Girls. Yes. It's very, it's a very fun, cutesy Mm -hmm. show. Um, And I am enjoying it. I just love anything Mindy does. Honestly, same. She did like four weddings and a funeral a few years ago. Did you watch Mm, that one? I did not. And it was like, it was so goofy because I remember like watching it thinking like, I feel like this might be bad, Mm. but it was just like, so like feel good and cute and happy. And I was just like, who cares? I loved it. Yeah. Any feel good thing. We just love a rom-com vibe. We love it. (laughs) Um, all right. Shall we? I think we should say goodbye to the intro. Okay. And blast off into the museum that's right so goodbye intro goodbye okay um so i want to preface today's episode um just to kind of tease a little bit and get everyone amped Uh um that i I have my, you know, all my research, of course, but I have a section dedicated specifically to pun ideas Thank <laughs> that I God. want to kind of, you know, drop it in here and there. So we'll see how I do. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so excited. Okay. In 1965, Mary Johnson complained to her husband, Marvin, that his collection was crowding people out of their house. Sure. (laughs) She told him he needed to find another place for his valuables, and he agreed. I've heard this one before. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's a tale as old as time. (laughs) She told him he needed to find another place for his valuables, and he agreed. Just read that one. Um, 
They had a good bit of land on their farm in Kennebec, North Carolina. So Marvin moved his treasures into a little cinder block building in the woods. This became a real labor of love for the couple, and they wanted to share their collection with the world. Soon, the world's very first gourd museum was open. Shut the fuck up, dude. (laughs) I was crying. (laughs) Oh my god. I love a gourd. Okay. I mean. Oh my gourd. (laughs) Gourd bless. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Um, Okay. (laughs) So something I'm learning about myself, um, both in this museum, well, actually in all of the food-related museums that I've done, um, like the Potato Museum and the Baked Bean Museum of Excellence, learning about the history of food, like, and the genetic history is apparently something that is very interesting to me. <laughs> mm, okay, um, okay. So I did do a, a, quite a bit of diving into that. So we're going to go over the history of gourds. Um, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to save my sources to the end because I had a lot of like scholarly articles that I wanted to quote accurately. Sure. Um, so we'll get to those at the end. So there are, of course, um, a lot of different subspecies of gourds, and I spent way too much time reading about their genetic histories. But in terms of like anthropological importance, Mm -hmm. the bottle gourd is kind of the historical big kahuna. Okay. Um, And the bottle gourd is kind of, it's like probably the most typical one that you see where it's kind of the hourglass figure. Sure. Um, That's, that's the bottle gourd or version of it. Okay. Um, The bottle gourd itself is indigenous to Africa, as far as we can tell, Hmm. and has been grown as a container crop all over the world for thousands of years, which we'll get into in a second. Um, So actually the like origins and the spread over the globe of the bottle gourd um, has been apparently pretty like hotly debated (laughs) over the past like several um, decades Mm -hmm. as um, scientists and historians try to figure out like sort of how it made its way specifically to the Americas. Mm. Um, But it was first being grown and used in the Americas around 8,000 years ago. Um, making it one of the very first domesticated species on the continent, which is insane. That's crazy. Um, So I read parts of a really interesting study on the origins of the bottle gourd in the Americas um, from the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences of the U.S., um, which (laughs) their website is pnas.org, which sounds like penas.org. Penas. Come on, guys. (laughs) So like... (laughs) Please find a more dignified web presence than penis. <laughs> um, but okay. Uh, and so for a while, <laughs> it was just a big mystery of how gourds made their way to the Americas. And it was thought that they just floated over um, oh, for a boy. while because apparently gourds can float in seawater for up to seven months and still produce viable seeds. That's amazing it's amazing the the humble gourd dude i am a convert i'm obsessed Um, so yeah it was funny i was like oh yeah they're just gonna float to america but then i'm like okay seven months that's doable not out of the realm of possibility yeah (laughs) um i can't last that long i'm (laughs) just i I, I, produce viable (laughs) seeds no I love the idea though of someone like in another continent just like either like hurling a girl a gourd into the ocean or just like gently pushing one off into the sea like spread your wings you got this (laughs) um but newer theories based on genetic genealogy claim that they went from Africa to Asia um via just like regular trade routes Um, And then were brought into the Americas by paleo Indians, which were ancient, which was the ancient Asian population who crossed the Bering Strait and then populated North America, which eventually um, was like, and then served as ancestors for a lot of Native Americans. Mm. Um, 
So this is a quote from the abstract of that research article, which again, I'll get to the actual um, subject and the contributors at the end or the title and the contributors at the end. Um, but I just thought this was super interesting. So, quote, we suggest that the bottle gourd and the dog, two utility species, were domesticated long before any food crops or livestock species, and that both were brought to the Americas by Paleo-Indian populations as they colonized the New World. Wow. So there are a lot of, um, there was a lot of mention of like how um, gourds are, you know, a very utilitarian crop. And so Mm -hmm. there was a lot of comparison to the dog, um, and how like those two things were relatively easy to domesticate and they were done like way before so much other stuff afterwards. And it's just so crazy. Gourds and dogs, BFF. (sighs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so I mentioned a few minutes ago that gourds are known as a container crop, uh, which Mm -hmm. is very literal um, kind of depiction and description of them. So they were domesticated for the primary use of carrying things instead of being eaten. Um, Hmm. It's not that they were never eaten. It's just that they like didn't taste very good. Um, And so they were a bit more utilitarian. Sure. Um, But calling it a container crop is a bit of a narrow description of what gourds have been used for historically, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm just here to hype up the gourd. Come on, guys. Let's let's get on board with the gourd. Well, yeah, use your gourd. Um, <laughs> okay, so obviously when we think about container crops, mostly that um, takes place in terms of like kitchen tools. So all over the world throughout, you know, thousands of years, gourds have been hollowed out, dried and cured and used as kitchen tools. Yeah. So your run of the mill bottle gourd. um, And so bottle gourds, I guess, have like some like, you know, they have the hourglass shape, um, but then there are some that are more like just regular um, squash that have kind of like the bulge at the end and then the long stem. (laughs) Um, and so with that, you could cut it in half hot dog style to make a dipper or a long stemmed spoon. Mm. Um, you could cut the narrow part off the top and you'd have a bowl. Um, you could cut a bit off the top and then you'd have a bottle and people would stuff like grasses, um, at the top to sort of plug it until they needed it. Mm. Um, And after the curing process, gourds would be heat proof and would therefore be used as cooking vessels directly in fire, which is. That's amazing. Amazing. Um, When the Europeans arrived in North America, they found that Native Americans who originated from the Paleo Indians, of course, um, had been Mm -hmm. already using gourds in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. One of which, and this is so interesting to me. Um, one of which was as a birdhouse, which sounds, you know, just simply decorative, but apparently they would make birdhouses to specifically attract a bird called the purple Martin, um, and then put them in their fields with their crops and the purple Martins would take up residence there and basically just provide free pest control. They would just eat all the bugs off their crops. Oh, nice. Isn't that crazy smart? That's amazing. Yeah. (sighs) We love it. Literal geniuses. It's a beautiful bird. I just looked it up. Yeah. It's truly purple. It's so purple. It's so Martin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. Um, Of course, there's also a use uh, for gourds as musical instruments. Mm -hmm. Uh, All over the world, a variety of cultures have used gourds to make drums, flutes, and stringed instruments. And of course maracas yeah a classic love them uh but perhaps the most enduring use of gourds uh throughout history and all over the globe is decorative uh so various cultures have long carved designs into gourds this is a quote from wikipedia uh gourd decoration including pyrography which is like wood burning, but it would be gourd burning in this case, um, is an ancient (laughs) tradition in Africa and Asia, as well as among the indigenous peoples of the Americas. 
notably the Central Highland people of Peru, the Navajo, Hopi, and Pueblo nations of the American Southwest, and the Nuxalk and Haida nations from British Columbia. Gourd crafting and painting has evolved from early hand carvings to the modern day use by some of electric wood burners and high speed pen shaped rotary tools that can be used to inscribe almost any design. Um, and so I just like to kind of highlight that this is a very like almost sacred form of art in a lot mm. of indigenous cultures in the Americas. Um, yeah. And it's, if you've never looked up gourd art, which I don't know why you wouldn't have. I um, honestly haven't, but I'm going to. It is to. quite literally gorgeous. Okay. <laughs> that was <laughs> Should have seen puns. that coming. Yeah, it's weird that you didn't. <laughs> um, traditional forms of, you know, the of this artwork commonly include decorative bowls and vases, ornaments, sculptures, and masks that people would Mm -hmm. either wear or ultimately hang on walls. Mm -hmm. Um, I found a blog post by a food historian named Rachel Loudon published in November, 2017, that had a lot of good fun facts about gourd usage throughout history. And we know how I love gourds and And facts. facts. So it's really a marriage of my two favorite things. And so I'm just going to read them directly from her blog to you now. Great. Around the world, gourds are used to store and carry water. The Hawaiians, for example, went deep into lava tubes. What are lava tubes? What are lava tubes? (laughs) I just tubes. Just tubes tubes of lava. Um, And so they would collect dripping water in these gourds. In this way, they could inhabit the surface deserts on the leeward side of the islands where fishing was easier than off the rugged windward cliffs. So it's honestly just so mind boggling to me that the simple gourd can so dramatically change like an entire society's development because they, the gourd allowed them to like live in a place that was a little bit more hospitable to them because mm-hmm. they could carry water. It's insane. Amazing. Also, I just looked up lava tubes and I'm thrilled to report <laughs> that a lava tube is a natural conduit formed by flowing lava from a volcanic vent that moves beneath the hardened surface of lava flow and it leaves like a cave. And they're so cool. You have to look this up. It's like caves with multiple rooms. Man, when this is probably pretty like descriptive of my personality as a human, Mm -hmm. but when I was little, my dream was to live in a cave. Oh, I I could live in a cave. Yeah. You know, get it fumigated every now and Mm -hmm. then, but I could do Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And I will. (laughs) Um, water was not the only liquid stored in gourds in Mexico. Gourds are used to collect the sap of the agave for agua miel, honey water, which can be fermented into the nutritious drink pulque, an important traditional staff of life on the high dry central plateau. In East Africa, the Maasai use gourds to collect the blood and milk of cattle, primary sources of food. The gourds also serve as vessels for fermenting milk. Hmm. In Africa, gourds were used to brew beer from bananas. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Some Hefeweizen. <laughs> um, I don't know anything about beer. I just know that Hefeweizen <laughs> tastes like bananas. Yeah, it does kind of. <laughs> in Peru, archaeologists are studying starch grains preserved in gourds to understand the early history of chica, maize beer, and a whole range of root crops, which is cool that it was like preserved in gourds. Yeah, that's very cool. In Southern Mexico, people drop hot stones into gourds containing water, fish, and vegetables to make a soup. Nice. Um, the Lekendon Maya use gourds as beehives, and that's apparently not exclusive to the Lekendon Maya. It's all over the place, too. Yeah. Uh, the Maoris used large gourds to preserve small birds, 20 or 30 at a time, which... Just How small are these birds? <laughs> How big are these gourds? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> make it make sense. Um, many people couldn't be, gourd- you know, couldn't be a pelican. No, oh no, 
and yeah. not one of those owls that like looks like the Mothman. No, you're probably going for a warbler mm-hmm. yeah. or, or a crested tit or something. What are those called? Yeah. Some, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something with tit in the name. Yeah, is that for a, sure. Is that a bird or kind of a, a slur? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's one or the other. <laughs> it's a thin line. Yeah. Um, Many people use gourds sealed with clay for the long-term storage of grains and legumes. They also serve as measures for grain. Wow. In Southeast Asia, gourds serve to store the lime used for chewing with betel nut. In South America, they are used to store lime used with coca leaves. Oh, we know what coca leaves are for. We know what that is. Cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) In many parts of the world, gourds are used as floats for fishing nets. Uh-huh. Um, and everywhere gourds are decorated. You have to love the images of Europeans on this Azande gourd from the North Central Africa, which is, I'll send you the picture, but it's a hilarious image of um, just like a white guy clearly drawn from like, an, or drawn by an indigenous artist who was like, fuck this guy. He's such a dork. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Um. Okay. So that was all from her blog. And again, I just put, it's just so, it was just blowing my mind yesterday. It was just mm-hmm. blowing my gourd. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> that the humble gourd had such an, a huge impact on history and industry and just like cultural development, just absolutely yeah. insane. Amazing. Um, one of the, probably the most famous gourd artist, um, working today is a man named Robert Rivera. Uh, He is based in New Mexico and draws inspiration from these ancient traditions and techniques. I looked up Mm. some of his work and it's, it's really cool. Um, And I don't want to ever diminish art um, and I, or it's worth, but like kudos to Robert Rivera uh, for the high profit margins, because mm. it's like a gourd, which is, you know, like $3 at Kroger and sure. he's selling these things for like $2,000. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's so cool. And like, Hell yeah. um, but yeah, it's like, they're super intricate. Mm. Um, the Chinese even developed a method of shaping gourds into specific molds, which they would then use as works of art or more intricate versions of practical uses, like like really ornate bottles or things like that. Um, and it's just, I don't, I feel like I've seen things kind of like this, but they basically like start growing a gourd. And then when it like starts to produce fruit, uh, the vine starts to produce fruit, they like shut it into this mold and it gets, it just like grows into the shape and it's so Mm. crazy. Mm. Um, so they get, they get so intricate and you can find pictures and videos online and every single one is just like, I can't believe it's gourds. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, that's the whole thing. It's not even a, I don't know. It's so funny. <laughs> um, in 1937, the American Gourd Society was founded and exists to celebrate this form of art and its history. Uh, the society hosts a variety of events including gourd art competitions. And I would just like to put this into the universe that I would love to participate as a guest judge. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I also love what, did you say it's the American gourd society? Society. Yeah. I just, I would love if there was no art involved and they were just like big fans of pumpkin pie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we could do an off branch. Yeah. They also just like grow it and grow gourds. And so it's not just art, but I think the competition is art, but they are just big on gourds. Yeah. Um, Okay. My personal favorite use for gourds that I discovered with my research is Mm -hmm. called Koteka. Have you heard of Koteka? No, I have not. Um, it's a penis sheath worn by oh certain ethnic groups in New Guinea. Why? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just, I, 
a sheath. It's not a sword. <laughs> <laughs> This is honestly the funniest thing I've ever read. Okay, so basically, um, these tribes in New Guinea hollow out and they intricately decorate a gourd. Um, then they put their penis in it and they tie a loop around their scrotum to Come hold it on, in place. <laughs> Which I don't know. I mean, I I'm not speaking from firsthand experience, obviously, but it feels like there would be a better way. <sighs> It, it feels like that might be a bit uncomfortable. Could be uncomfortable. And then what? And then what? Your balls are out. So you have a sheath for your yeah. penis, but your, but balls, your balls are just they're. I mean, they're, they're cinched a little bit <laughs> around the top, but otherwise they're hanging. They're flying um, free. And then the other thing about Kuteka, like traditionally is that, um, it's the only article of clothing worn when it's worn. Sure. Well, you have to show off your. Art. sheath yeah. your art <laughs> um so this is a quote from wikipedia and this is actually very interesting um quote many tribes can be identified by the way they wear their koteka some wear them pointed straight out straight up at an angle or in other directions i think you covered all the directions <laughs> <laughs> other directions <laughs> like it's either at an angle or in other directions yeah <laughs> Um, that's so funny and so tribes like identify each other by these kotekas wow um the diameter of the koteka can also be a clue so <laughs> contrary to popular belief there's little correlation between the size or length of the koteka and the social status of the wearer um so it's not a social status thing it's an identification thing Okay. Kotekas of different sizes serve different purposes. Very short kotekas are worn when working, and longer and more elaborate kotekas are worn on festive occasions. And I just, I have so many questions. Yeah. But like, what if you are, you know, maybe a bit more endowed and you have to wear the, sh- the little short one? Yeah. It's just what? It's a little cap on the top? Yeah. <laughs> it's a little hat. Just a little hat, little little gourd penis hat. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna put like an AMA request on Reddit. And see if anyone please let I me need know. answers. I need answers. Um, so I was gonna do this for immature history, but it obviously fits really well here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not going to make it through this. Oh um, so also from Wikipedia, my favorite gourd-related tangent of all time. Quote, in 1971 to 1972, the Indonesian New Order government launched Operasi Koteka, Operation Penis Gourd. Sure. <laughs> um, which consisted primarily of trying to encourage the people to wear shorts and shirts because such clothes were considered more modern. Um, <laughs> Operation Penis Gourd. <laughs> I, just, I just cannot. There's got to be a better name for it. <laughs> I mean, just say Operation Gourd. Surely you can't have that many other operations that involve gourds. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be the only one. Um, but the people did not have changes of clothing did not have soap and were unfamiliar with the care of such clothes so the unwashed clothing caused skin diseases it's just so classic of these fucking i don't actually know anything about indonesian new order government Mm -hmm. um so you know i'm obviously editorializing but it's big white guy energy it is to be like, Hey, we know that this is like a treasured, um, tradition in your culture and amongst your tribes. But if you could just put some of our clothes on, that would make us feel better. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like assimilation exists in so many different areas of the world mm-hmm. where like white people aren't in power, but like, <laughs> I feel like white people created assimilation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Ugh. Um, so, That's so as, um, operation penis guard was failing, there were reports, <laughs> there were 
reports of men wearing the shorts as hats. <laughs> Come on. Uh, <laughs> you guys, you got it backwards. That's so cute. <laughs> Just like a grown man wearing a gourd on his penis and shorts on his head. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, um, and the women using the dresses as carrying bags. Eventually, the campaign was abandoned. Nevertheless, shirts and pants are required in government buildings, and children are required to wear them in school. <laughs> oh, boy. Shorts on your head. <laughs> is just amazing I also unfortunately I had to see what it looked like so I did google Kritika and I just I have a lot of concerns some of these are very very large um to the point where I would think that it would probably get in the way of everyday life and like if that is simply like I don't know I mean I know hollowed out gourds are like pretty light weight but if you're tying Mm -hmm. it around your scrotum I mean, that can't be good for, you know, fertility. It can't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. I love it. Why are there so many in Google images? Why are there so many white guys with them? Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm very, very concerned. Um, okay. So that's a brief introduction to Koteka, which I felt mm-hmm. was obviously vitally important. Yeah. Um, but now let's go back to Kennebec and to the museum. Uh, so I mentioned at the beginning, Marvin Johnson, he was the museum's founder and he had fond memories of his mother growing gourds when he was growing up. Um, he remembered helping her dry them. She would send uh, Marvin and his brothers up into like the rafters basically on like they had a tin roof and so he would or his mom would send them up and they would like put the gourds on the rafters under oh, the nice. tin roof and like cure them and so it was very fond memories yeah um and then once they were dried out she would actually like put them to use so it wasn't just like she was doing it for fun but like they actually had a lot of you know gourd goods if you sure. were so in 1952 Um, By then he is, I believe, married and um, living on his own plot of land and farm and decided to give it a go himself. Um, So he started out just by, you know, he started small. He was growing small ornamental gourds that are commonly used for decoration, um, but was learning more and more about, you know, gourd growing and the history of um, gourds and all the various art forms and uses all the while. Um, as his knowledge grew, he started branching out and growing larger hard shell gourds. Um, I didn't put it in here, I don't think, but there was one um, like story on the website that for the museum that was basically like when he wanted to grow a real winner, he would use dynamite to blow a hole in the ground and fill it with like decaying sawdust and manure. And like that was his like breeding ground for like massive gourds. <laughs> I mean, there has to be a safer way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but that is, maybe I'll know, try that gonna, on my garden this year. <laughs> if you're going to like, you know, have a really hardcore garden, I guess yeah. that's a good way. A gourdon. Sure. <laughs> a gourdon. <laughs> um, <clears throat> So in 1969, Marvin entered his gourds into the gourd competition. Um, no, the gourd competition, the <laughs> gourd competition at the North Carolina State Fair. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and they awarded 19 ribbons out that year. He won 18 of them. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Which is awesome. Um, and like, congrats, but also I feel like it would be so awkward to be like that guy to just be like, oh my God, it's me again. Like, I'm so sorry. Were you just, I like, feel totally like it'd be awkward. Sweep? I feel like it'd be awkward to be the one other guy. Who got yeah. Where he's just like, thanks, I guess. Like <laughs> his wife, Mary also won some awards for her gourd arrangements, which I guess is a different category. I don't know. Sure. Um, as his renown grew in the gourd world, which I put the gourd, (laughs) (laughs) um, 
<laughs> and this is so cute. He began to swap gourd seeds with other collectors all over the world. Cute. And this is like in the 70s, 60s Ugh. and 70s. So it's not like he's just like getting onto like the gourd, you know, gourd eBay. He's just like somehow like writing letters and shipping stuff all over the world. So <laughs> cute. Um so he did this so like to the point that he on his land grew over 200 unique types of gourds on his farm over the years. Mm, which wow. is insane. I can name like two types of gourds. Yeah, at most. Bottle gourd, the other the one. Other one, snake gourd. <laughs> you know, you know. Um yeah. I read an interview with Marvin on roadsideamerica.com or our old friend. Um, Mm -hmm. And he was quoted there as saying, I've made lots of friends through gourds. So like literally the purest possible thing. I love that. Like gourds of all things. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Marvin and Mary's little museum was on their property for many years and contained a variety of gourds that they'd collected from all over the world. There are artistic as well as practical gourds covering many of the forms we talked about earlier. Uh, The Roadside America article does mention some more specifics, which I couldn't really find anywhere else. Okay. Um, So I'm going to read off the ones that they have. Um, There are, so the whole museum is lit with gourd lamps, which is so cute. Cute. Um, Many, many little gourd figurines, including penguins, snakes, alligators, raccoons, sharks, dinosaurs, and elephants. Wow. Um, A gourd xylophone, which I'm super into. Need it. Um, A gourd Popeye. Ah. Classic. A gourd Shamu. Sure. sure. And <laughs> um, my very favorite thing, a rendition of The Last Supper made out of gourd <laughs> seeds. <laughs> and I couldn't oh. find a picture of it, but I can imagine. And it's great. Wow. 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 <laughs> I mean, can you believe it? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. When Mary, so when Mary passed away, Marvin dedicated the museum to her memory. Um, and as Marvin got older, he enlisted the help of his nephew to take care of the property in the museum. And then when Marvin himself passed away in 2003, he left his collection to his church, um, which is sweet, but honestly, it's so funny to give someone like hundreds of gourds in your will and no place to put them. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Hey, where do you, where do you want these dropped off? The executor is just like, put like a forklift, just like, Hey, do you want these, uh, in the pews or yeah where specifically can I put these (laughs) um so the church and the community of Angier which is the larger city nearby Kennebec rallied together to ensure that the public could still enjoy the museum um Mm -hmm. it is now housed in the same building as the local public library and free to the public just like Marvin and Mary had always done it which is so sweet um and you can just go into the library anytime it's open and ask the um, librarians if they will let you in at the gourd museum and you get your Mm. little little time with the gourds wow 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 wow. um as a side note there do seem to be at least two more museums devoted to gourds that have been established in more recent years one in georgia and one in kenya Um, but from what i can tell marvin and mary's was by far the first so they're wow. the OGs, the original gourds. Um, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um, and it seems like in Kennebec um, and Angier, like that area, somewhere in that area of North Carolina, they hold an annual gourd festival. Um, and I need to I go just, to it. I feel like we should go. <laughs> festival like we have to um okay so I do have two reviews but I want to make sure to credit my sources first okay so the source list um North Carolina Gourd Society at ncgourdsociety.org um the scholastic article um what'd you say I said dot gorg (laughs) dot gorg 
no. Um, the scholarly article I mentioned earlier, um, which is called An Asian Origin for a 10,000-Year-Old Domesticated Plant in the Americas. Um, it is by David L. Erickson, Bruce D. Smith, Andrew C. Clark, Daniel H. Sandvice, and Noreen Taras. Um, and it was like pretty lofty, way over my gourd, if you will. Um, <laughs> but very, very interesting. Um, yeah. Wikipedia articles, which are obviously a little bit more my speed, <laughs> um, for gourd, gourd art, and Koteka. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorrelsky.com, which is where you can buy Robert Rivera's art. Roadside America com of course in their um article and interview with marvin rachel laudan l-a-u-d-a-n.com who is the um food historian uh that i quoted earlier and her blog post um that i used was from november 2017 and it was called before the pot before the basket the gourd <clears throat> so those are my sources mm. and i have two reviews um, out of three total to pick from. <laughs> sure. Uh, not a ton of uh, online presence for this little museum, but that's yeah. okay. Uh, so the first one is from Jonathan. Uh, five stars. Definitely the most gorgeous place around. Sure. The most gourds you'll ever see in one place. The librarian was nice enough to open the museum just for us. So great job on the pun, Jonathan. It's a little derivative, Beautiful. but we get it. We get it. Mm-hmm. And then we did favorite. those same puns this entire yeah, we episode. Did it. It's fine. <laughs> um, my favorite review, five stars from Leighton, only a month ago. And Leighton wrote, it is gourds. <laughs> it is gourds. I mean, <laughs> poetic. Yeah. It is beautiful. gourds. Beautiful. Um, and that is the Marvin and Mary Johnson Gourd Museum. Wow, 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 wow. You know, ever since you um, mentioned the fact that there was a Last Supper (laughs) art piece made out of gourd seeds, all I can think think of are very irreverent puns from um, the Last Supper involving gourds. And (laughs) I just feel like there are so many so many directions you could take it yeah that was amazing thank you so much for telling us about this beautiful museum I just figured you know we uh it's it's autumn it's it's gourd time it's gourd season baby it's gourd season it's a good celebration of indigenous indigenous people yes um so yeah, go gourds. Go gourds or you. go home. You know. Amen. <laughs> um, wait, here are the rest of my puns that I wrote. <clears throat> oh yeah, please. Uh what in the gourd? Yeah. <laughs> gourd bless. Uh-huh. Gorgeous, obviously. And sure. gourd riddance. <laughs> gourd riddance. We should oh, <laughs> if only we could have said that when we said goodbye to the intro. <laughs> I know. I was thinking about trying and like, obviously I cannot ever be this subtle about things, but I was like, (laughs) how great would it be if I just like subtly for the whole, like first part of the episode and the intro was just talking about like squashing things (laughs) and like, oh, it's so gorgeous. And um, like, I was thinking how funny that would be if I were feeling melancholy. (laughs) um cucumber i hardly know her (laughs) oh my god (laughs) amazing campers (laughs) um you know, thank you so much for joining us for this this episode. This gourd damn episode. <laughs> I am not doing okay. No. Um listen, uh, listen to my voice, please, because I want to say that um 
you should go follow us on social media. Literally, you pick your favorite social media platform and you go search at the museum camp and boom, baby, there we are. Um, you should also probably consider leaving us a rating and a review if you, um, use Apple podcasts, um, so that other people can hear. um, I'm sorry. I just thought of another one. Oh boy. I'm so glad we're regording. It's all right. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Continue. Leave us a review, please. Please. Don't, please don't review my puns. (laughs) leave the puns out of it when you write your review um but consider doing that because it helps people uh hear about the podcast and then they'll be able to learn just as much about gourds as you have learned here today amen amen and uh thirdly and lastly you can go check us out on patreon if you want to hear all about even more museums than what we're talking about on here. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get Patreon only access to no, we are uh, exclusive baby, yeah. exclusive baby. We've got videos, video content uh, on Patreon, five bucks a month. Go to patreon.com slash the museum camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Buy one less gourd a month and you can afford our Patreon. <laughs> Just don't get that, you know, that spaghetti squash that you were going to get. Have the spaghetti instead. Yeah. It's so much better. It's so much better. And then instead of spending that extra money, just, you know, join Patreon. Pop it on over to Patreon. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, Okay. Thanks for bearing with me while I (laughs) made a lot of gourd buns. Uh, God bless you and keep you. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. What's a good goodbye? Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>